Welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast from La Trobe Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. I'm your host, Matt Smith. The COVID pandemic has hit tertiary education in Australia hard, and for most of 2020, it prevented students from studying on campus. For international students, they were unable to enter the country, which meant a drop in enrolments and a decrease in university revenue, a situation that will likely continue into 2022. Australian international students are largely from Asian countries, with large numbers from China and India in particular. And how the pandemic affects enrolment numbers will have flow-on effects through not just those societies, but Australia as well. Today we'll be hearing from two experts to examine the impact of COVID on Asian students and tertiary education in Australia. Joining me first, Dr. Jasvia Nachata Singh, a lecturer at the Department of Management, Sport and Tourism at the Latrobe Business School, who found herself studying the employment dilemmas of international students during the time of COVID. What was your interest or way in to looking at the, the COVID impact of international students? It just happened because my colleague, Dr. Sabrina Gupta, and I were embarking on this research project on understanding South Asian students and graduates' employability experiences. We started off this research in late 2019. And then 2020, COVID happened. And so happened that our interviews are fall uh, through from 2019 to 2020. Uh, when COVID happened, then we started asking questions. What are the impacts of uh, COVID-19 on your employability experiences to South Asian students and also graduates? These students and graduates are from Latrobe. Exclusively, we interviewed these students studying at Latrobe and graduates who have graduated from Latrobe University. Mm -hmm. And we have had tremendous experiences told to us by these students and graduates. So when you started this study uh, at the outset and during the planning phase, there would have been no mention of COVID at all, of course. But as it progressed, it would have become like the dominant question, the only question uh, as to how much of an impact this is having for the international cohort. You are so right, Matt. As I have said, we started interviewing in 2019, so there was no mention of COVID. Everything was just smooth. Of course, they also faced some pre-COVID challenges, but uh, it was intensified the challenges that they faced during COVID-19 for students, and you'll be surprised for graduates as well. But there are also glimmer of hopes and opportunities that COVID-19 has brought on to uh, them. Okay, so in the terms of uh, international study then, what has that done for your students? You would have had some who were already in the country and decided to stay, uh, some that have decided to go home, and that presents both challenges of studying and also decisions of whether it's worth continuing going to an international institution. You're so right, Matt. All students and graduates that we have interviewed at that point of time were in Australia, were in Melbourne. So they not only had employability challenges, but they also had 
non-employability challenges such as their accommodation issues. Probably because financial issues, they can't stay where they were staying alone. So they had to move with their counterparts or with their um, other students. And then for graduates, their plans of working in Australia uh, has been stalled, I would say, that, you know, it was harder for them to make connections or network, uh, harder for them to get internships for students and also for graduates, harder for them to even locate any suitable jobs against whatever they have studied. So they had a lot of issues, not only talking or thinking about the employability, but also their living experiences here in Australia. It was just hard for them to think about that. And mainly because of financial issues that they were facing. Because these students, they come with their um, parents' money. It's enough to pay their tuition fee. But they come here thinking of, oh, I can work and then support their living expenses and also uh, then eventually support their tuition fee. But because this is a global pandemic, their parents were out of jobs. Their family had um, financial issues. The family couldn't support them here. So that was also at the back of their mind that, you know, how are we supposed to stay in Australia right now? But it is an interesting point that you made that we did not get a chance to interview students or graduates who have gone back home. But that will be a follow-up study that Sabrina and I are looking at. So and hopefully by the end of the year, we should do that study. What happens to these students and graduates uh, once they go back home? What were the factors that you know brought them home? And then what is happening there? I remember seeing last year uh, stories that students are having to line up for food, hardship on that level. You know, they're not finding uh, accommodation, they're not finding work, and all of that must have impacted their ability to study, let alone, you know, live safely or comfortably. Oh, yes. They did talk about, you know, we don't have enough food to eat, but then the community organizations were helping them out. The churches or uh, the Sikh temple, even the troupe has provided uh, money and also some food for them. So they were very grateful in that manner. So what sort of challenges have there been to employability at this point? Because this has been a, a direct question that you're studying. I'm kind of curious if you're getting the results that you thought you would be getting for this kind of study. Of course not. <laughs> um, for those students who just came in, they were badly hit because they couldn't find a job. They didn't know anyone here who could help them. They are left stranded with all the dreams that they had, you know, before coming to Australia that, oh, this is a lot of opportunities. I should be able to get a job to support myself. That was the challenges for those who just came in. But those who were here in their second year or in their last semester, they had different challenges. They couldn't get into internship, even though they had network or they had previous jobs, but the jobs were just gone, just like that. Employers couldn't pay them. You know that Melbourne, we had such a hard lockdown and a long lockdown. So they, they lost jobs. And so they couldn't think of, okay, what are we supposed to do after this? 
there are no extracurricular activities, no volunteering opportunities for them. It's just online. You know, they were saying that how much can we reach out to people online and others were also having difficulties at the same time. And so many things happened. And that was one of the main challenges for those who came in and for those who stayed here. I guess anecdotally, lockdown restrictions not really being a factor this year and things starting to get back to normal, the international students can re-engage with life on the campus a bit. They can get out and work in Melbourne, but it is pretty much impossible for any new students to come into Australia, especially at the moment. That might change in second semester, but it's not going to happen now. So what's that doing to the international student community of La Trobe at the moment from your perspective? And how is that going to look in this semester? I think now we are much more settled and students know who to go to or where to go to or how to approach online. Mm. So that I've been seeing there's a lot of online internship going on. There's a lot of online networking sessions going on. So I would suggest that all international students who are in Australia to take up these opportunities online. You can attend events anywhere in the world right now. You don't have to be there physically. That would also provide that booster for students, international students in Australia in semester one currently to re-engage for the employability sake. And as far as in the long term, do you think this is going to affect the desirability for students to study internationally? I don't just mean at La Trobe per se here, but if you can't get into Australia, you're going to look elsewhere. And Canada will be the first choice because Canada has been opening up to international students they have been helping international students. They have provided uh, extra years for um, students to have post-study work, visa or something like that. I was an international student myself. So if you are welcoming me with open arms, I will go to that country. If you are taking care of my welfare, I will go to the country. It's a natural instinct that you want to go to a place where you are welcomed. That's what I would say. So if Australia want to compete with other nations, then we have to think about how do we then reopen our arms pre-COVID and then now recovery mode or you want to call it post-COVID. That's what I would say. We mm -hmm. have to reassure international students that you are just not here because we want your money but you are here because we want to embrace your multiculturalism or we want to embrace your skills and knowledge that you bring uh, with yourself to Australia. I mean, we're talking at the end of February, so it's too late for first semester. Do you think that Australia is going to miss that opportunity? Ah, that's a very good question. We are still not opening borders. Uh, of course, there are talks about that, but I think that will happen in semester two. I'm very sure international students are smart to pick up that, yes, monetary factors will not be there. But based on my study, well, why do international students go abroad? Yes, one is to achieve academic success, you know, getting good grades, getting career, uh, you know, opportunity for international careers, whatever. Not. But they also want to experience international lives, you know in wherever they are, in Malaysia or, you know, if you're an international student in Malaysia or Australia or Canada, they also want to feel that what international life would be 
with mm. domestic mm. counterparts, with other international students from other countries. Australia is a multicultural society. We have got so many nationalities staying here in Australia. So why not leverage on that? Why not, you know, inform international students that there's more to offer to you when you come to Australia. It's just not about dollars and cents. That's Dr. Jasveer Nachata Singh from the Latrobe Business School. Now for the flip side of the coin, we turn to Latrobe's Dr. Stacey Faraway, Pro Vice-Chancellor of International at Latrobe University, to talk about what the university impact is and how Latrobe is trying to support international students. A side note, Stacey joined Latrobe in 2020, and so for most of her role she's been in Perth. I managed to get some time with her on the first day she set foot on the Bandura campus. International students are an incredibly important part of the fabric of the university. They bring culture, diversity, um, different opinions, different experiences into the classroom, into our community, into our students' lives and our academic lives as well, um, and really contribute some wonderful insights from their own perspectives into the community. There is also in in that such a significant economic contribution, mm. um, not actually just to the university itself, but to the broader community, whether it's you know local Bandura in the regions of broader Victoria, international education itself is Victoria's largest export industry, um, which I find quite phenomenal having only just moved here to Victoria. But, um, you know, obviously we've got so many universities here that are top quality universities that are really attracting some really bright students from all over the world. Um, Mm. You know, financially, it certainly is a very big contributor to um, the university, which does actually get reinvested into the education for all students who study at the university. So every student who studies at La Trobe benefits from the international student um, revenue stream, I suppose, if you want to call it that. We tend to not really think of it more like that. We do think of that more as our community of students coming into the university, but it's mm. certainly an important stream. Is it a discretionary stream that we're actually able to invest um, in research, in teaching, in support services in a range of different areas? Mm-hmm. So uh, to some extent, the university sector really relies on this uh revenue stream of this uh, this student cohort and they, they count on that being there and there's a pre-COVID story here mm. and a post-COVID where essentially the tap was turned off. Mm. International students cannot get in. Just over the last couple of years we've, we've been pretty stable at around between 25 to 30 percent okay. of the total student cohort has been international students. Now yeah. some of them are actually based here in Victoria with us at our campuses but we do have a good um, contingent of students who are based offshore as well and so with some of our partnerships that we have. So not all of those students are actually studying with us on campus. Mm. Some of them are offshore um, and some of them are actually studying offshore to come to an on-campus study at a later part of their um, their student journey. But certainly when it comes to universities in Australia, um, you you do have quite a variety of, um, I suppose, a percentage of what of the international student cohort mix. And, you know, that can range from 15% um, with some of the smaller regional universities like Mm. when I used to work at, um, but all the way through to 40%, um, even up to 50% of international students coming into some of those very large um, universities that typically attract large cohorts of students from places like China and India, yeah. um, that there's very strong demand for courses there. And, and you say China and India, they were two of the very large countries for Australian universities to Correct. attract international students from. That's right. Uh, if I understand Latrobe correctly, it's it's India that is our biggest uh, market, That's isn't right. it? That's right, yep. India's our top 
source country for students. So Mm. we do have the highest population of students that do come from India, but China is certainly in there as well. Second most popular, um, you know, student source country, I suppose. And it's quite a diverse mix of students in terms of the channels that they're coming through as well. A lot of the work that we do in China is actually through partnership and academic partnership with institutions that we collaborate with, but also um, India is more of a, I guess, a direct market where students are looking for degree opportunities that aren't actually path or partnerships between institutions across the countries. Okay, so obvious question, what has happened now mm-hmm. with COVID, with no international arrivals mm-hmm. outside of residency, I suppose? Yeah. yeah, so like you said before, it's turned the tap off. We've got a range of students who, these students are actually wanting to have the on-campus experience, the full service experience of an international education. Sure. Um, And that's one of the biggest drivers. Um, They're wanting to actually experience the culture, learn in a different language, and learn with other students from Australia, from other countries as well. So that is a big driver for them. They're not able to get here now. So they're actually having to readjust and think about what are their options now if they're wanting to seek that in-person experience. Mm -hmm. And there are other countries across the world that have remained open to international students with varying experiences. I think the UK and Canada and others have remained open, slightly smaller cohorts coming through. Certainly, you know, these students who might have been thinking about coming to Australia are now reconsidering where they might be going. Some were enough of the way through the decision-making process to stick with us um, and to stay with us. And we've been enrolling our students in online study mode. So throughout 2020, um, we had a number of international students who actually started with us completely online um, and have continued with us in online study mode and will continue to study with us throughout 2021 until the borders actually do open. Varying levels of enrolment, though. Some students aren't able to take on the full-time load or are seeking to kind of um, study in part-time mode. Um, We're trying to encourage as many students as possible to be as engaged as possible throughout the whole entire um, study period. But I guess, you know, every student's considering their own personal circumstances because it's not just the border that has closed that is stopping students from coming, but the impact of COVID in their own home countries as well um, have also interrupted their study plans. So families, businesses being closed down, lockdowns are affecting their activities as well. So um, certainly students are having to be very resilient Mm -hmm. um, and very considered in terms of their next steps as well. We're finding that different countries are probably more open as well to the online study experience than others. Um, And we're seeing that through some of our enrolment patterns and trends as students come through and start commencing with us even into this semester as well. This is something that's going to have repercussions for years to come Mm -hmm. with the enrolment numbers for Australian universities. So you've got the impact of what's happened now, but you've also got students who are going, okay, I can't go to Australia, Mm -hmm. but I can go to Canada. That's right. You know, that's going to be an option that I'm going to Mm -hmm. exercise. You've got students who are going to be commencing next year who are obviously looking at their options going, is Australia going to be open? Mm. Can I go there? Mm. And so that's going to affect teaching for all the student cohort and the university bottom line for you know years to come, mm. isn't it? Yeah, it, it will. Um, I think if particularly if we if we're unable to retain the students who are currently applying to us and and expressing their interest in studying in Australia, if those students aren't deferring, because what we are seeing, students are deferring, they're still holding on, they're still keen to come to Australia, and that's really good news if they're not quite ready yet to study in an online mode. Yeah. Deferring and deferring to a subsequent semester is good news. It means they're not switching to another country. It means that the prospect of that student arriving and being with us for the two to three years of their study is actually still genuinely there. Mm. Um, 
it's the ones who are reconsidering and going elsewhere because I think at the moment when we're looking at numbers and dollar figures we're looking at that annual view of you know oh that's you know this much tuition per student that's not coming in for that year but it's actually compounded yeah um yeah. so it's not just you know it's this, not just year, this it's year they're not paying next this year, year and next yeah. year and the following year depending yeah. on how long they were here um planning to be here for that, that that is um essentially going elsewhere and going into other markets and um and countries that are that are still accepting international students through and i think something you touched on there too was around the uncertainty and this is probably our biggest challenge and we understand why there is you know quite a great deal of uncertainty because COVID is moving various paces we've got governments responding in different ways to try and secure up um, you know safety and security of our own population here I think that has also continued with the uncertainty that's happening in the sector where students don't have a very clear idea on when or how and at what point we might actually be able to have a, an open border, which I think is is probably the greatest challenge. I think if we were able to have a time frame and to be able to set a, a point in the in the sand in the future where we would say, look, this seems to us like it's a it's a logical place for us to go if all of these things happen. Yeah. Then it might actually help students to say, right, I've got a point, I've got a destination in mind. I'm willing to wait until the end of 2021 to start my studies in the beginning of 2022. But at the moment, we just don't have that uncertainty yeah, for that, obvious reasons. And that's such a long way away as well. It is. <laughs> so, Stacey Faraway, first day in Melbourne, how challenging has your new position become then? And, and what kind of strategies are you kind of looking mm-hmm. forward to try and to keep the potential Asian customers, mm-hmm. the Asian students who are wanting to come here, engaged? and uh, to tell them, no, look, La Trobe University is still a good option. Yeah. Uh, we're really focused on the students. Sorry to give you a job interview on your first day. But... <laughs> That's all right. Um, well, you know, it's been quite a while since I started at the university, but yeah, we I have been that. in work from home for a while. So yeah. it's nice to be on campus with everybody and to see all the students here, which is fabulous. I'm really enjoying it. But, but yes, our focus has really been on focusing in on the online experience and really trying to de- de- demystify that for students um, because we understand that this is the space that we're in at the moment. We know that students have to study online with us. Mm. Um, so we're really trying to hone in on that and show showcase to students through current students who are experiencing the online um, study environment, academic staff and others, just to showcase and demystify what online study is actually like because many students who are coming from you know a range of different countries haven't had as big an experience with online education as what we probably might expect others to or expect you know of our, of our own students here so that's one of the big pushes that we've had is is really highlighting that we've also focused very much on the you know s- stay with us um mm. start with us and you'll commence your studies as soon as the borders are open yeah, and to yeah. really hone in on ensuring that the students are very well aware that you know they're they're with us now they're our students and they will have that opportunity to come on campus once the borders open as soon as yeah. as soon as we're physically able to the support services, I think that's something that we've really honed in on as well. All of our support services last year were entirely switched to online mode. Mm. So we were servicing students across multiple time zones and really providing them with quite comprehensive support through a very difficult time for them and a very uncertain time for them. And I think, you know, that's something that Latrobe really prides itself on is, is our services to our students and really ensuring that students have got the language and learning support that they need they've got the counseling support that they need and i think that's something that we've really honed in on to ensure that the students felt 
and had access to pretty comprehensive support services during a very difficult time. Mm. Um, and that wasn't just, you know, the actual counselling services and advising services that we had, but it was also quite a big push on financial support as well. Um, Latrobe ran a very successful campaign with its staff giving to actually provide scholarship funds, grant funds and aid really essentially to international students who found themselves in a really difficult situation throughout last year of not being able to work because um, hospitality was closed, lockdowns for restricted businesses and their ability to operate, which did actually have an impact on students generally mm. um, and particularly international students who, you know, often working part-time while they're studying full-time. So we really honed in on a few of those messages to students to let them know that we're here for them and to support them, um, really demystifying that online study experience yeah. um, and honing in on the course offerings that we have available to international students to really showcase why students would want to study with La Trobe and to continue their studies with La Trobe instead of reconsidering alternate destinations internationally. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the experience that we have here. We have an amazing campus. We have amazing campuses, I should say. Fantastic services, great facilities that are just growing here. And, you know, there's so much excitement around the opportunity that that brings. So I think it's just honing in on those students will be able to experience when they get on campus. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's been big for us. Yeah, plenty to look forward to. Definitely, plenty to look forward to. Yeah. The response from the government level mm. has been pretty much universities, more or less, you are on your own. Mm. And that uh, applies to being cut out of uh, assistance like JobKeeper. And it also extends to any support that international students or even really domestic students would be getting mm. when it's related to university and to study. So realistically, what would you like to see going forward? What would you like the government to do? And how would you like students to be facilitated in their studies? Yeah. Like I said before, I think the biggest challenge for us right now is uncertainty. So mm. I think having some kind of certainty and a plan to restart and reboot um, international education and the international education sector is certainly something that I think we're all very in incredibly keen on actually having. And I think this kind of conversation is happening at that most senior of levels across a range of different areas to really hone in on what what is the next steps for international education so mm. that we can really reboot and recover as quickly as we possibly can. We know there's pent up demand there. Um, so we know that there are students who are keen to come down as soon as they possibly can. Um, but but I think there's a whole you know, range of logistics that need to kind of work in, in on that, whether it's vaccines, what are the needs for quarantine once vaccines are kind of coming through? How do we plan on you know, really ramping up arrivals back into the country to kind of assist us in bringing people? It's not just international students as mm. well. It's tourists. It's, it's a range of other areas. But um, that certainly, I think, for us is, is that certainty and that forward planning and that you know, what are the next steps to actually having students coming through? Plus there's a waiting line as well. For, well, that's right. Yeah, for just Precisely. Australians who want to get back in. Exactly. The, yeah. lo the logistics behind that are really quite complex and we understand that. So I think having that future focused plan and roadmap out of this, I think is something that I think all players in the education sector because it's not mm. just the universities we're talking accommodation providers homestay providers um, all of the ancillary support services that do get wrapped around international students it's quite a big industry that's not just the universities yeah and the TAFE colleges and um, you know private providers as well it's it's quite a significant industry that really is looking for some roadmap to help lead us out of this so can can I ask when your fingers are crossed for are you looking at semester one 2022 is kind of looking pretty good 
I think it'll still be a phased approach to semester one 2022 if I'm being realistic with myself. Yeah. Um, I think partly because it's a, it's how do you scale up an operation that is a, such a sizable operation in terms of the numbers of people that we're actually talking about here mm. in conjunction with, you know, like you said before, returning Australians. There are currently, I think, over 100,000 international students who are studying with Australian universities who are located offshore. Yeah. Um, and that's not even including the ones who are starting their studies as well. So this number will actually increase. Um, it could drop off when students graduate and finish and finish when they're studying in their home country. But realistically, I think the volume that we're talking about here is something that means, you know, there will have to be a scaled up approach to how we actually do return students yeah. and what that plan looks like a process around how we accept people into the country after being vaccinated. Mm, um, mm. You know, what does that look like um, and how does that work, you know, when we're talking about international students coming through in large numbers? Sure. And to a certain extent, mm. you know, that's completely out of your hand. That's up yeah, to governmental policies. Absolutely. You know, will there be vaccine passports, I think, mm -hmm. is a term that, that they're applying for. That was one that has for. been yeah. floated around um, yeah. recently. And, you know, it will really depend on what countries are doing internationally mm. um, for their for their citizens as well as to how quickly you know students can get access to those and you know of course students don't sit in the highest priority categories for most um, countries governments at the moment because they are typically in the 18 to 30 year old category yeah you know the lower risk group so um, yeah it'll be interesting to see how that works but I think Certainly, we've commenced more students in this first intake of semester tw semester one, 2021, than what we expected, I think, or what we planned for, I suppose. Um, that's probably a better way to say it. Um, yeah. Planned for. <laughs> we were being very conservative with our planning because, you know, there's obviously ramifications for set targets too high. Mm. Um, but certainly, you know, it's semester two this year in 2021 that will be probably the one that we might struggle with a little bit more unless we get some kind of good positive signs about reopening and a plan on how we're going to scale up international student arrivals for 2022. That's Dr Stacey Faraway, Pro Vice-Chancellor International at La Trobe University. And you've also heard from Dr Jasvia Nachata Singh from the La Trobe Business School. And you've been listening to Asia Rising, the podcast from La Trobe Asia. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your local friendly neighbourhood podcatching service. Please leave a review. They are very appreciated. You can follow us all on Twitter. Jasvia is at Carl Nachata. Stacey is at Stacey Faraway. And Latrobe Asia is at Latrobe Asia. I'm Matt Smith, and thanks for listening. <laughs>